Welcome to CPP Chat, an optional reference to what's going on in the world of C++, chatting with guests from the community. But before we get embedded into this week's episode, John has a disclaimer to read. Thank you, Phil. The academic degree plans presented here serve as a guideline. Key milestones, prerequisites highlight significant achievements that must be completed in the degree track. Students who do not follow the plan and or who do not complete identified milestones may jeopardize their financial aid, if applicable, and or delay graduation. CPP Chat recognizes the important connection between student success and academic preparedness. Students may be required to complete courses before enrolling in the sequence of courses. Summer and or intercession courses may be required to graduate within a specific number of semesters. Developmental course credits earned do not count toward degree completion requirements. So uh, our guest today is uh, Jean-Hid Manid, uh, and he's better known as the Ph.D., Welcome, John Heed. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, how about you, John? I'm great. <laughs> um, I have I looked for an academic disclaimer specifically for you, yeah. uh, and was uh, delighted to find that one. Yeah. So, uh, Phil, we have some uh, some news things we want to talk about before we get into uh, beating up on John. I mean, uh, interviewing John Heed. Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Um, we talked a few months ago, actually, when it first came out about. Titus Winters's paper on uh, on ABI now or never. Uh, in fact, it did the, the rounds on, on social media as well. Um, he's now written a follow up paper which goes into a bit more detail. And I know a big chunk of um, next Monday in uh, the Prague ISO meeting is going to be set aside to discussing those papers to make sure we we all understand what's at stake and uh, whether we can do anything about it. Uh, to be honest, I think most people are not too hopeful, but but you never know. So. The, yeah, the subject of what ABI means you know, in a C++ context, because it's not just one thing, it is really interesting to dig into. And what all the challenges are in um, whether, we, whether we maintain it, whether we break it, what the consequences of that are. So if you didn't quite get it with, with his first paper, maybe the second one will, uh, will get through to you. Um, I'll put the, the paper numbers in the, um, or the, the links in the show notes, but it's um, p two zero two eight is the, the new one, that's an R0, and that the first one was uh, P1863, and that's R1. So I noticed uh, Sean had tweeted something, Sean Parent had tweeted something about ABI compatibility, which I thought was interesting, and uh, I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but uh, when Sean says it, it's worth listening to. <laughs> you know, if, if we are going to decide, and that's what, that's what, that's what Titus is actually asking for. What's our policy? What are we trying to do here? And one of the things that Sean was pointing out is that um, part of what you need to do is just document to developers and say, these are the things you can rely on and these are the things you can't. And the standard more or less tries to do that, but what? But it doesn't really give you a strategy. In other words, the standard will say, well, here's this, but doesn't say, but you should never do this or you should never do this, or you can expect that we will change in this direction and things like that. Um, and those are the kinds of things that should probably be documented as well. And we just kind of have this expectation, um, and we should we should think through these things. I mean, that's what Titus is trying to raise, I think, is awareness that we need to think through these things. We don't want to be in a situation, which is what we are in, where we've kind of boxed ourselves in by simply saying um, – you know, this this is where we are, and what's the incremental move forward, rather than saying what's the long term 
uh, strategy for how you can do this. And I think the point he's making is very much the case, that we have told ourselves that C++ is about performance. There's no faster language. There's no room for a faster language than C++, and this is the way we do things. And then we end up with situations where we say, well, yeah, for legacy reasons, this isn't as performance as we'd like it to be, and we'll, you know, we just live with that. Well, we got to make a decision. Which is it? Yeah, I think the the, the case that um, that Titus is making here is is pretty compelling, right? Um, you know, when when I got into C plus plus, it was very much about uh, always being about um, getting the most performance out of stuff. Um, that was like the reason I wanted to do C plus plus. Um, so when when I first kind of hit this 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 strange new world where people were kind of relying on the fact that they could take binaries from like 1998 and still compile them and like run them with like 2015 stuff that like blew my mind like like how like when did this happen um but it's it's apparently a a very common practice especially like among distribution maintainers for uh you know linux distributions etc etc right their whole ecosystems their packages right they don't really they even though there's a huge emphasis on open source and being able to compile from source a lot of that distribution a lot of those distributions are powered by binary files, right? So if those two can't talk to each other, you end up in a very bad situation on your distributions and everything else. Um, and so, you know, I I sort of understand where they're coming from, but on the same note, because we've kind of not talked about it at all or not really formally gave like a, this is what we will do about ABI or we won't do about ABI, um, we've just had this, this, this like lingering uh, thing where people, we just kind of support ABIs for like, 10, 15, 20, even in one case, like 25 years of just having the same exact ABI and just supporting it all that time. Um, And that's, you know, there's value in having something that's stable and that can last a long time, but there is still also value in being able to make changes, especially when C++ as a language has come so far and we've learned so much. There's so many things that we want to fix, but we can't for either legacy reasons or, as is the case with a lot of things that some proposals I brought up and proposed that Titus is overseen, uh, can't be done for ABI reasons. And that's like, you know, we have to take performance hits there when, you know, again, the, the general rule is, you know, this is the this is the fast language. You can't get faster, right? If you optimize some C++, you have the, you have the fastest possible implementation like portable implementation you can get to, you know, sans if you like wrote the whole thing in assembly by hand, right? Like that's that's your those are your two right uh, two levels. And so to to have this idea that you know we're giving up performance for the stability kind of thing, you know, it makes sense from the perspective of like a long term vision. But like to keep supporting something for so long and still never actually say what exactly our stance as a committee is 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 kind of bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it has a an implication for what we are, what we accept as a library. In other words, if you're going to say, well, no, we can never change the ABI, you have to be, I think, you should be much more conservative about what you're going to do in the library. Because, and one of the things that Bryce has talked about is, uh, you know, we don't want to standardize things that are, that we're still researching. And I'm not sure that we'll ever stop that, right? I mean, you know, I think we un- we thought we understood, or the committee thought they understood hash tables back when they uh, when they standardized the unordered, uh, you know, uh, containers. But we now think, well, that wasn't a, a good way to go. We know better now. But my question is, will we know better ten years from now or twenty years from now, where we'll say, oh gosh, those guys way back in the in 2020 didn't know what the heck they were doing. Um, 
And, and, and if that's the case, then maybe we re- really need to rethink a lot of things. I think a lot of people are, are uh, I am feeling more that we need to look more at, at third-party libraries and keep them as third-party libraries and not expect that the standard is going to have every tool you need. And we need to think more about, well, obviously, the solution everybody's talking about is let's figure out a package management solution so that we can use third-party libraries less painfully than we have to now. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, I, I, I remember I, at one point right, I had this. I stopped doing a little bit of C plus right, and I started going to some other languages like Haskell and everything else. Um, and I, I've heard people complain about like you know package management for Haskell is, is a pain and whatever else, right? But I remember like because I was coming from C plus right, so I was like, okay, right? I, I had an I had an idea of what pain was, right? So <laughs> there's the show title. <laughs> I walk in. I, yeah, I, I, I walk into like this, this half legal system, like expecting like, all right, I'm going to have to do some like CMake ass or I'm going to deal with some like, you know, auto make, you know, like crazy heck on earth kind of deal. Um, and no, I run one command and it sets up uh, a project for me. It pulls in dependencies that I need, like just like specified in this very simple file. like And like in one command, I, I was done. And I just sat there and I was like, so where's the pain? <laughs> right? Like, wh- wh- where's the nightmare here? Right? But like, no, I, I just, I, I had, I had stack, I had a couple other tools and just, it just worked right. Like, and usually you think, right, you know, for like a lot of, for a lot of programming language, they're usually like Unix first, right? And you can go to windows, like the support just drops off a cliff and everything's terrible. Um, but no, I, I was, I was on windows. I, I pulled some, you know, typical Haskell tools that even the, 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 the people on Linux distributors were talking about. I used it and it just, it just worked. Right. And there's, there's no pain involved or anything like that. And so, right. Comparing that's like the, the state of the art of C++ is like, ooh, that's, <laughs> we've got work to do. We definitely have work to do. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, do we want to, do we have other announcements? Do we want to talk about Prague, which is just around the corner? It is. Yeah. Just, just next week. I'm, I'm going to be flying out there on, on Sunday. You're going to be there? Are you going to be there, jean Uh Yes, I am going to be there. Um, got a couple of proposals I need to kind of make sure to get through. Um, but, you know, Prague's last minute for fixes and anything else that were national body comments and all stuff, get final resolutions and all that. We clean up everything, then we ship the uh, the final, basically the, the, the final specification that's going to be approved. They're going to be stamped by the uh, uh, ISO and say this is now an international standard, CS plus 20. So... Uh, I haven't actually been at a last meeting like this. Aren't there weird rules that we can't start talking about post-20 officially? But I assume... Not at all. We don't want to stand around saying, gosh, I wish we could talk about the next standard. Yes. What is the guideline there? Yeah, so um, you, so we can't uh, approve... We can't, like, approve through a motion, uh, like, a paper to be put into the C23, like, draft, right? Because it doesn't exist yet, right? You have to, to ship. But you can, you can do work, because the vast majority of what the committee does is give responses to writers and say, um, you know, come back with this, address this, take a look at this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's most of what they do anyway. So actually putting something in the standard, that's, not, that's the easy part. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so it, it actually, from, well, for the most part, it, it is the easy part. Instead um, of a title. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the, um, sometimes you, get, you can get some, like, some hairy situations in, like, uh, in, the, in the final, 
at the end of every meeting, there's a, there's a formal plenary where they do the rubber stamping of things. But sometimes things don't get rubber stamped, and some, some people raise their hand and say, I have an objection. And then, you know, it goes to a formal vote and comes down to, like, you know, national bodies and voting on stuff and everything else. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, um, we're allowed to basically talk about anything, but the only things we can finally formally approve uh, are um, CSPOS 20 things. Though, as a bit of a side note, um, in the last meeting, which was Belfast, um, Belfast, uh, Belfast uh, 2019, um, I actually got the first feature for CSPOS 23 uh, pseudo-approved. <laughs> so they voted on it, and they said yes, but I mean, they'll have to redo the vote again, I think, in next meeting, in, sure. which is in Varna, Bulgaria, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, but I got the feature rubber stamped approved, like, and that was like the first CSPOS 23 feature that got through, so that was pretty cool. Um, pre-approved. Yeah, so pre- pre-approved, right? So not fully approved, but, but you know. We're engaged to be approved. Yeah. <laughs> Did they give you a ring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, get a ring and, and everything for, for CLS 23. Um, but yeah, um, so so that was kind of nice. But yeah, for the most part, most things, you know, they got to gotta wait. You got to do the process and get the weight and the ISO, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just how that works. Yeah, priority would definitely be given to the finalizing C++ 20. Uh, national body comments and things but there will be times in between those where of course we'll talk about what's coming next in fact um i won't mention a name because i know this but can be a bit funny about they're repeating what's being said in emails and things but somebody who definitely knows what they're talking about said that this is a bit like um filling an oil tanker if you're pumping oil into an oil tanker uh, it can take a long time between turning turning that tap on and the, the oil coming through and also turning it off and the oil stopping. So nobody is going to, um, you know, when you're finished, just turn the tap off and then just wait for that oil to, to finish running before you start start the next one. Uh, you, know, you keep it running, even though, um, you know, you might be uh, changing things over. So in, in the same way, we are going to carry on talking about C++ 23, 26, um, whatever. Uh, as, as John Heath says, we're not going to be approving anything for it, but... Not officially. Uh, we, we've been talking about 23 for a while, so... That's fine. All right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's just around the corner. All right. What else is going on? Uh, C++ Now update. We just uh, j- just opened registration uh, the, for conference registration, and also uh, the hotel is now taking uh, taking reservations. So, very excited about this. We uh, we have a great program coming. We we're just in the middle of reviewing it, so we've got a lot of work to do in the review side, but a lot of great submissions. So. I'm very excited. Uh, in case you were there last year and well, are worried about the hotel situation, I hear from a reliable source that um, the the uh, the whole resort has been booked out this time. Is that is that right? That's right. That's right. Uh, last year we had another event, not a huge event, but another event that was happening in the hotel, and they grabbed some rooms from us. But this year we have the entire hotel, and I think we may also negotiate with the Limelight to have a, an agreement with them as well, but. I think most people prefer to be in the closer venue, um, and the resort is beautiful. So, so they are taking reservations for that. And as I said, we're taking uh, registrations. Registration is, is a little different this year. It's not through Eventbrite, but that's just a detail. Um, anyway, very excited about it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. If you've not been before, I recommend you give it a try. Absolutely. C++ Now is, is – is, was actually it was my first C++ conference, um, and I, I went as a student volunteer. Um, yes. I might. I think this is the last year that I can go as like a like an actual student student volunteer. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, 
yeah. If actually, if you're listening, does that mean we're on the we're on the verge of a PhD? Is that what we're not quite a PhD, but um, I'm definitely climbing the academic ladder, which is which is good. Um, but actually, I guess quick shout out. Like, if you're a student and you're listening to this, you're watching this. Uh, please do apply. Um, you know, it's a really great program. Um, they will help you get there um, if you need assistance. And, you know, you can meet a lot of people who are very invested in C++ in the community. Um, we had a lot of great applicants last time, too. Um, and it was, uh, I met a lot of great people, um, people I still keep in contact with, people I still talk to. Um, and uh, you should definitely, definitely apply if you, you know, if, you, if you're a student and you, you, you know, want to get there. The message that I've gotten from students is, and I, and I tell people this, and it sounds very self-serving when I say this, but it's career changing. It literally is career changing. The experience, the people you meet, the, the possibilities that it opens up for you. You, you really don't want to miss out on this. Yeah. Having said all that, the deadline to apply as a volunteer is tomorrow. And unless uh, Phil performs a miracle, by the time you hear this, it will be too late. But next year, don't – never too late to start planning for next year. Too early to start planning for next year. You don't even have to wait till next year because for C++ on C, another great conference – Yes. The student program, at least, is still open. Oh, it is? oh excellent. Uh, vo- vol- volunteers is finished, unfortunately. We've we've got a full set of, of volunteers now, but uh, but the volunteer program, uh, sorry, the students program is still running. So details on the website for that. Um, as I say this now, and this should almost certainly have changed by the time you hear this, there's only one early bird ticket left. <laughs> so uh, we'll be moving to full price, and um, hopefully, um, if not by the time. This gets released shortly afterwards. We should also be releasing the the full schedule, or at least the, the list of speakers. Oh boy. So it's not out yet, but it will be soon. Oh boy. Okay, and and I will just to finish this up. We were talking about C++ now and C++ on C. If you're a student and you have an opportunity to go to a C++ conference, you may be intimidated because there's all these people who know so much more than you do, and you you read the list of talks and you're not even sure you understand what the talk is about. Don't be intimidated. If you if you have understanding, any understanding of C++ at all, you will get a lot out of any of the C++ conferences. Uh, even C++ Now, which is one of the most expert of the conferences, it is still very welcoming to people who are um, still kind of early in the learning curve. Uh, for C++ on C, we have managed to get quite a lot of um, accessible content in this year. So I don't want to say beginner's content because it's not necessarily just for beginners, but um, but content that anyone could could appreciate uh, including beginners. So quite pleased about how that's worked out. That's great for the community. That is so wonderful. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Just to round out conferences. Yeah. Won't spend too long in it, but um, there's still a few call for papers open. Uh, we mentioned Core C++ and CPPP last time. They're still running. Uh, I think one of them finishes uh, in a week or so. But we didn't mention before that the, the Italian C++ conference, oh, yeah. their call for speakers is open. And that's... Um, I think that's in May or June as well. Um, I think May 20th. I did make a note of when the like call for speakers finishes, but that's, uh, yeah, that's the conference roundup. And one final piece of news before we get into the to the meat of the interview today. Um, another piece of JetBrains news, but this one should be of interest to uh, people who don't use JetBrains tools as well. It's the uh, developer ecosystem survey. Oh, yeah. So we talked last time about the meeting C++ survey. Well, now it's the JetBrains one. Uh, it's another one of the important community surveys. So do encourage people to, to fill that out. That should be open till at least the end of February. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Um, some people have said it's, it's quite long. 
I don't know that put you off. It, it is a bit long, but it's also quite fun. So <laughs> there's a few little Easter eggs in, in there as well. So Oh, cool. I'll leave you to find out what they are. I haven't I haven't done it yet. I have done Yenz's. Did we mention Yenz's? We mentioned that last time, yeah. In the last show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's still running as well, isn't it? I My understanding is he plans to just kind of leave it running. Right. Um, and uh, once, you know, I asked him about this and I said, well, we should then once a year encourage everybody to take it again, even though it's, but basically he wants to just leave it up all the time. And then, uh, and then we'll encourage people to take it again every year, kind of. Because some of the questions he asks will be different right? because, it, you know, your, your job changes or your role changes or the tools you use change, you know, some of those answers will be different. So, um, so that's kind of cool. Um, right. All righty. Um, yeah, so I've been asking news for this, this week. Yeah. So, um, so let's start talking to Jean-Heed about what you've got, uh, what you've got that you want to talk about, including embedding circle. What is the deal? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, originally I, I, I kind of left, um, uh, stood in bed and all that stuff kind of just in, in a pile somewhere. Um, and I was like, I'll get, get to this eventually. Um, well, I did get to is it worth quick. Is it worth briefly mentioning what stood in bed is? Ah, so the thing about the, so in bed and stood in bed and hash in bed and the things I'm going to be talking about. So it's basically, um, if you've ever been working C++ and you say, oh, I want to get this file, you know, into my program, right? Um, use the typical way to do that is with like IO streams at runtime, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when you have something like hash include, you think, oh, well, I can I can do that in some way with like a file, right? I can like include like a, a, a text file or something, just have it embedded in my program, right? Um, but you can't really do that in, in C++, right? You can't just take any old file and just splat it into your program and say, listen, I want, I want these bytes just here and I want to be able to like make an array and do stuff with them. Um, so for example, if you had an image, yeah. Like whatever, your splash screen or something like that. You can't have that in the program as an image. You could you could write it as an array of bytes or something like that. Yeah. Some bizarre literal like that. But if you actually have a PNG file and you'd say, I want this file so that I can splash it on the screen, you're gonna have to read it from disk in the in the way C works right now. Yes, exactly. Um and so, you know, there, there was a lot of different ways that people got around this, right? Some people made crazy runtime systems. Other people, you know, hacked up their build system. You know, there's the typical, you know, make file with the uh, XXD command on, on, on Linux distributions that people use um, to basically splat out a big fat array of, you know, bytes, and then they load that into their program. That's what they do. Um, and so what I thought was that, well... You know, this is kind of a request that people have had since the comp. I've actually found questions of people asking about this kind of thing since comp.lang.c, right? Like, well, like 40 years ago, way back, right? And even Guy Davidson, uh, the, the proposal for 2D graphics, works at Wargaming and a bunch of other places. Um, and he does a lot of work with the standards committee and standards proposals and helps a lot of people. Um, he even told me, like, I've been trying to put, you know, uh, I've been trying to put binaries in my, my games and, and other things for 40 years, right? Um, you know, and. So this is in, in my head, right? When I first started this journey, I was like, ah, easy problem, right? You know, we'll just <laughs> we'll just throw it into C plus right. We'll get a single directive, easy peasy, right? Like we've already we've already rejected every other potential form of this, right? Like, you know, so let's just let's do the, the last obvious thing, right? Just have a standard function that works at compile time that just magically pulls these bytes into your program, and you can get to work with them, you know, and it's context per capable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's what stood embed is. Um, 
it's it was actually my it was it's my it was my very first proposal to the CSPS committee, and uh, I've been working on it for a while. Um, and what happened is is that during the uh, Belfast meeting, the 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 meeting that just passed in in November 2019, I actually finished the real implementation of it. Right, so I had it on. Uh, had an implementation on Godbolt that you could actually like go and use. Um, I got an implementation of both GCC and Clang. Um, I was like, okay, I've, I've done it, right? I've proven that this is implementable and that, that it can do all these things, right? So I I picked it up and I I, I showed it to, to, to some of the um, uh, evolution and, and other working group members um, for the committee, and they said, all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. All right, so they scheduled the talk about it. Um, and so I went through all the details, right? And, you know, they pointed out things that are wrong with it, things that I should fix, things that need more specification. Um, and the initial, from the first room I went to, the, the evolutionary group, I got positive feedback. Like, this is good. You know, we, you have strong direction to go forward um, with both the stood embed and the preprocessor version, the hash embed, which I didn't think was going to survive at all, but the preprocessor version actually survived. Um, and that was pretty cool. And then I went to the, the next room, right? The, the, the compile time programming room, SG7. Um, and what they handle is, is reflection and compile time programming, right? And this kind of falls into that, right? Because you start getting to the question of, well, if I can get a file at compile time, right? I could pull an adjacent file at compile time and parse it, right? Do what uh, Jason Turner and Ben Dean did in their, you know, uh, their joint presentation at CSPLUS Now and CVPCon about context for all the things, right? Where they made an actual, like, compile time JSON parser. Um, so that, like, those use cases and those kind of things came up. Um, and so that's why I blocked, that's why I was shipped to SG7. And so I was in you know the the reflection room, and we start discussing it, discussing it. And while we're discussing it, this 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 new language that I, that you know I had heard of, but I, I didn't really looked at called Circle gets mentioned, and it just the the enthusiasm for Circle just kind of like takes over the room, right? Because <laughs> and 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 rightly so because circle is very impressive right so the 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 basic premise of circle is that everything you can do at cs plus at runtime you can do at compile time right so you can open an i you can open an f stream at compile time and just run that code and load it into a a std vector or whatever else and just use it and it just works right you can uh printf at runtime you can you can use std c out at at compile time right and so everything that you can do at compile time you do at runtime you just include the header and everything's the same Um, so we had sean on few episodes ago so yes regular viewers have seen this already but people who are taking this out of order go look for sean baxter's talk uh because he we spent the whole time talking about circles so go ahead yeah um and so the the really compelling thing about circle is that it offered what context for right now doesn't offer which is a a tangible reliable execution model Right, so when you when you program in the runtime at C plus, right, you have a reliable execution model that tells you this is this is a sequence of things that will happen, right? Um, you know, obviously it's covered on the as if rule. You know, the compiler can optimize whatever else, but like this is the behavior of your program, and this is the way things will be executed, right? Um, and, and if you're going to write portable code, that's absolutely necessary, particularly if you're going to have tools from multiple different vendors working together or working in parallel. Yeah, all that is absolutely required. You you can't take these things for granted. We as soon as something gets vague, that's where we run into problems. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, but Consexpert kind of lives in a, a vague world where um, the compiler isn't necessarily required to only, like, say, compute the results of that function once, right? And so I actually found this surprising when I first implemented, like, the built-ins, that, the compiler built-ins that actually do, like, what hash embed and std embed do. Um, I actually found that it would call my built-in once, then it would jump out, and it would call it again, and then jump out of my built-in, and then it would call it again, 
and that finally by the third call it had figured everything out and then now finally I could continue with processing and actually do the embedding and so what you find out is that uh, ConstExpert does not have an ex- a, a, a real physical execution model that you can like observe and like order behavior properly, etc. Right? They have they have loose like this happens before that behavior, but you can't like write a full program in ConstExpert and have like everything work out. You know, everything was only ex- executed once in this order, right? Um, and so this just becomes a problem, right? Because if you wanted to do what Circle does, like std c out or printf at compile time. Well, you can't run that function three times and be like, well, I actually happened to print this like, you know, five times to, the, to, the, to your command line, right, when you only have one printf there, right? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and so that's like the context in which Circle came up in the committee, and it kind of exploded from there, and that like we want, to, we want a deterministic execution model, right? You know, we don't want to uh, uh, overly work on, on anything. Uh, uh, we don't want to do one-off features to solve things. We want a, a general execution model. We want to, you know, have F streams that compile time or some kind of compile time stream that we can use, right? We want to look like regular C++. Um, and so I got that feedback while, while I was there, right? That they don't want, you know, something specific like stood embed or hash embed. They want something that's a little bit more like circle. So after the meeting's over, I, you know, I'm like, well, I've, I've got more homework to do, right? So I, I contact, you know, Sean Baxter. I, I read Circle. I, I start putting it together examples. I start working with it. And, you know, I, I run into some of the same issues, right? If you, if you have a very large file, right, and you try to parse that at compile time with Circle, right, things get kind of slow, right? And if you use it, it's, it's slightly undocumented at array keyword or whatever, trying to, like, serialize that into something that can be used, like, like an array, um, that can be, you know, like stored, you know, in your program to be passed into runtime. Um, you, you, it got slow. It got slow very quickly. Um, all techniques, right? So I, you know, I kind of reached out to Sean Baxter and I was like, uh, this is kind of slow and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so maybe you, you know, as, as the author of the compiler, maybe you have some tips and tricks for me. Um, so first he pointed me at, at array, you know, because he was like trying to figure out what I was doing. But once he figured out what I was doing, he just immediately responded, like, like not, not even like two hours later, he just sends me a tweet. He's like, I'll implement at embed in the compiler. And at that point, right, like that just like, my mind just exploded <laughs> because I had spent all this time like trying to like uh, doing optimizations, trying to figure out like the best way to do embed. And then I get told I need to go back and figure out a general stream mechanism. So I do the general stream mechanism and then I go to the compiler author with my general stream mechanism and he's just like, yeah, no, we're just going to have an at embed keyword. And it's like, <laughs> I spent all this time. Uh, it just it, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. Um, so I don't mean to be laughing at your pain, but it's funny as heck. I, no, 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 no. It, 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 it is fun. It, 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 it was it was absolutely hilarious, right? But and that's where and that's why I wrote that first article, going full circle on embed, right? So like I start out wanting no pun intended. No. Puns is sort of intended at that point. <laughs> okay. um, but it's kind of embedded in the uh, technology there. Yeah, yeah. It's a circle within a circle. Yes, yes. Uh, um, so, so you know, I, I did all this work. I ended up going, we ended up coming back all the way around where the author was like, yeah, hash embed is like low paying fruit. It's faster than all the other methods, right? And it's, it's just better, right? Um, and so we implemented it, right? I benchmark it. Of course, it's faster than literally everything else, right? I have the benchmarks in my. Uh, in, the, in, in the PhD slash embed on GitHub, you you know, I have benchmarks of XXD, like if you generate a giant array and use that. Um, I have benchmarks of uh, uh, stood embed. I have better marks of, of hash embed. Um, and, you know, also, I also like 
benchmark the length. Are you talking about you're talking about build time benchmarks, not runtime benchmarks? Uh, yes, yeah, so build time benchmarks, yeah. right? So how yeah. much does it cost? How much does it cost you in terms of compiler memory and compiler time yeah. to actually like constructing the? And I and I, I gave I gave everybody I gave everything like you know it's 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 at the best possible light. Um, so I didn't like tax like I didn't tax like the creation of the file, right? So XXD was ran on its own thing, finished, and then I would benchmark actually putting in C++. So that was like the only thing I was timing. Um, and the numbers, the numbers are for XSD and everything are just atrocious, right? You know, if you start out at like, like four bytes, 400 bytes, like everything's fine. You get the 4KB, things start falling off. You get the 40KB, things really start falling off. You get the 400KB, like GCC freaks out, Clang like starts consuming a whole lot of memory. MSVC just, it's, it's just, it just completely loses it. Um, you get up to 40 MB, like MSVC is now in like consuming gigabytes of memory, <laughs> right? Like Clang is like crying somewhere. GCC is already hitting the swap and it's like, oh, it's like trying to figure out how to do it. It, it, was, it was bad. And, and the compile times are just exponential, right? Um, and so, what I found out was that, like, the, these are real pains, right? Like, it doesn't, like, when you create a gigantic array of a bunch of literals, right, it doesn't scale, right? If you have to create an, an AST node that where each of those things is another AST node, right, that's all very expensive, right? Um, and even in the case where you attempt to optimize it, you can't actually optimize that well because the way C++ parses, right? So, and this is part of our C heritage, right? But the preprocessor requires a very specific tokenization of your text file, of your source files, right? So every single number you put in that gigantic array is its own token. It has to be parsed as such, right? Because it needs to be handled by the preprocessor for macro replacement or, or line directors or whatever else. Um, and so that's that alone accounted for so much memory bloat that it just it made it impossible to do anything, right? I think even um, Crunchin Jabot wrote another blog post about not about embed in particular, but he went into Clang and he attempted to optimize like this array, this like like large arrays, right? And he only got like minor gains that were like like anywhere from like ten to twenty percent, like whereas like stood embed and hash embed were like orders of magnitude memory savings, right? We're talking about like when GCC was consuming like eight gigabytes to like handle this array, the version with hash embed or stood embed was consuming like 40 megabytes, right? Like it was, it was that kind of difference in, in memory usage and everything else. And, and that's kind of like, and so it was all for all these reasons, right? Like we know it's a big problem. We know embedding large arrays is a big problem in C++, right? It slows down your compile times, right? I even tested this with a, a bunch of, um, a bunch of developers reached out to me from from FPGA developers. So they, they develop you know a lot of hardware based stuff. They you know write a lot of C and C plus plus. They have lots of large data arrays right because they're they're you know they write out their firmware memory and they dump it onto the the chip and everything else. Um, and I gave them a test of of hash embed and a bunch of other tools, and I was able to improve their build times by over fifty percent just by handing them like hash embed right. And at the time, the hash embed I gave them wasn't even the optimized version. Like that was like the dumbest possible information I could do. And it was still flat out better than almost everything else than any any other way of doing it. Um, and so it was for all these reasons, right, that I was like, how do we not understand that, like, we, yes, there's a general, like, we can open an Fstream at compile time and do all this work. But is that really, like, the thing we should be doing, right? Like, if we wanted to have it so that this was something that was usable for, even just even just forty megabytes of data, which is which people think is too large, but is actually a very common data payload that like firmware developers and other people use. Um, 
the fact that the, the compiler just spirals out of control at that point is 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 just it's just not good, right? And that's why we need like a dedicated thing for it. Um, there's also something I learned while I was actually not at the C meeting. But but I would but I would argue this. Yes. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but I think that the uh, reflection committee needs to think about that feature in the context of do we want to go down a circle like path and how do we make sure it makes sense together. So I I. I do understand your frustration. You probably were right. We need something dedicated for this. But I also appreciate that the committee isn't just saying, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And then we'll look at something else later. You know, let's look at the whole thing together and say, you know, I mean, they were right. We want some kind of general, reliable, you know, compile time world. And it may be that this special case, which is going to be common and problematic at scale, maybe it needs its own... Maybe it needs its own feature. Right, right. And, and that was part of it, right? But one of, one of my, my, my pushbacks on that was, like, if, if we do go down this road where we, 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 we change the direction of reflection, right? Because we've done this twice before, right? Before, it was very much template-based reflection where, you, you know, it looks like type traits. And we're like, no, 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 it should be context-based. Like, you know, it looks like regular C++, but it's all context-based. And we're like, no, 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 we need, we need to go a little bit further than that. We, and so maybe circle is kind of like the right model or the, or the right look for this kind of thing. Um, and at that point, right, you're taking a, a useful feature that could be in that could be in people's hands right now, that's implementable right now, and pushing it like further and further off into into the distance. Um, and so, my my ultimate point, I think, was that at at some point we would come back around to the fact that this did, did, didn't, that this didn't scale, and we'd be back talking about something like stood in bed just. Six nine years later, after we kind of re 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 reevaluated, you know, the reflection direction, right? Um, and so, while I understand that we want to have a like, cohesive, like good, like reflection general purpose reflection mechanism right now, because there's, there's a ton of use cases, right? I mean, you just ask anybody; they they already have like serialization, like and just all sorts of ways of, of things they want to do with reflection. Um, there's still some merit in like things that are deliverable like today, right? And so. That's kind of the balance that I, that I, that I wanted to strike and that I, that I wanted we, us to move into um, um, going going forward. Um, and, and I think that in, in reading the article and seeing that Circle kind of had to go back around and make the same decision itself um, to, for yeah. performance reasons, like sort of solidifies that whatever direction we do end up picking – we will eventually need something like this. So maybe it's better to start now than later, right? And that's a, that's a conversation that has to happen in the committee. That I actually, I actually didn't think the paper would be scheduled uh, to talk about because it's like a CSOS 23 thing, but um, apparently it's going to be scheduled to talk about in, in Prague. And so that's another reason why I have to show up and, and uh, talk about that. Um, the, other, the other interesting part about uh, stood embed and hash embed is dependency management. So this is actually one of the more serious points of contention in the main room in Evolution Working Group. Um, with CS Plus today, right? Ignoring the build, <laughs> or ignoring the build system, right? You know, it's, yeah, how do you do that? But ignoring the build system, um, you can know every single file that goes in and out of you know your translation unit today, right? Because everything has to be hash included, and then you know whatever comes out is just you know your object file, right? Whatever the compiler says comes out of it. Um, and in that way, you have a total graph of all the dependencies, right? You may have to generate some things with the build system, right? You have to, you know, call, use special, make a special make rule for XXD or, you know, use CMake to generate some binary or write some files or whatever else. But by the time you kick off the C++ compiler, you know everything that's going in and you know everything that's coming out. Uh, 
student bed changes that. Um, while the preprocessor version hash embed works exactly like hash include, um, and so that you can you can know all the dependencies ahead of time just by doing a quick like up to stage four scanning or stage five scanning of like stages one through so that the compiler has seven phases and so you basically you do all the pre-processing phases right so it was phases um uh uh one through four right one through four one through five and that gets you all that gets you like all the macro information all dependencies right fully expanded translation unit um etc cetera, etc cetera. because the, because the hash embed has the file name yes so so all i have to do I don't actually have to understand the language at all. I just have to understand the preprocessor. Right. Hash, hash include means I'm dependent on this file, and I have to look in it to see what it hash includes. And then hash embed says I'm depending on this file, but all I'm doing is pulling the file in, so there's no... Yeah, there's no recursive anything, yeah. That's always a leaf node, right? Yes. So, so I don't have to know anything about C++ in order to figure out what my dependency graph is. Exactly, yeah. And so, and that's that's a benefit, yeah. right? You know, to to a lot of tool developers, like absolutely, like, that's how they they that's a, a great a great part of the preprocessor, right? And so, stood embed muddied those waters because what stood embed is it is is a is it's a constant evaluated function, right? So it's a regular C plus function. So you could compute a string view from a bunch of different sources at compile time, and then present that to stood embed. And that makes it impossible to actually know definitively that this is the thing that you you want. Um, and so it became impossible to kind of determine all of your dependencies completely at like preprocessor time. Right. Um, and that became like a sticking point. And so what I've done is in, in the latest revision, and, and it, you can you can check it out on Godbolt um, and other places. Um, but I created a a hash depends kind of thing. And so what you can pass into it is either a single file name or a uh, directory path with a sla- with a star in it that says depend on these things like everything in this directory or something with a uh, di- directory name and then a star star. And what that means is depend on everything recursively in this entire directory. Um, and so that alleviates the pain of, of, of student bed in that you can still a scanner can still run through your program and by using the same dependency information, uh, know everything that you're going to include. Um, well, unless, uh, un- unless you do something like create a new file. Well, <laughs> well we don't have file creation at compile time yet, but you know, I, I I'm not gonna, I'm not, that's not a can of, but with circle, you with circle, you could do that. Well, yeah, with circle, you could do that. Right. And that's, that's, that's part of like the, the ramifications of having a real file system IO at, at compile time. Um, and there's also, there's also other ramifications as, as far as like, you know, the view as compared to the view of the file as compared to the host system versus like how it's supposed to be in the target environment and like how bytes are interpreted and et cetera. It's, 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 it's an interesting rabbit hole, but um, basically I, I, I solved the dependency problem for stood embed by creating this hash depends kind of thing. Um, and I think that for the most part that covers the like 90, 99% of the concerns um, I think there's still some people that want to make it so that if you try to student embed a file that doesn't come from hash depend, right, that isn't listed in somewhere in hash depends dependencies, um, that you get a hard error. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, the way I've implemented it is that's like a, it's a soft like warning kind of thing. It's like, oh, you included something and you know that's not included in your dependency information. Are you sure about this? Um, but I think a lot of people want like a hard error, right? Like you try to include something that is not going to be included in your dependency list. Like that's just- that's not for the committee to decide. The committee can say you have to do a diagnostic, but 
Well, I mean, I guess the committee could say it's an ill-formed program, right? They, but the compiler can still go ahead and form it. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and so it's it's that kind of thing. But but the people on the committee very much want to give give like hash depends and student bed like normative teeth. Like if you don't do that, your program is ill-formed, right? Or like it doesn't you know properly work out. Um, so you're saying it depends? <laughs> <laughs> it de- yeah, depends. Uh, um, yeah, and and so that's kind of where stood embed is and hash embed are right now. So I think it's actually like it's actually viable to make it early in the C plus twenty three. I just have to figure out that. I mean, I have to address any other concerns, right? Because there are people who have like security concerns and other things like that. Um, but I, I dug it, I dug really deep into security concerns. I actually contacted a bunch of like professionals, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what are the security implications of being able to open this at compile time? Um, and they were, and what they said is like nothing like this is this is this is even less this is this is less trouble than hash include would be as far as like trust and like safety and what that means um so i'm like okay that's that's off the table um but uh yeah so that's like the fullness of 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 what's what's going on with with hash but so i think if right now it's in a very stable place and it's not it's not too bad but man i was i was so I, I, I was I was very much disappointed that I that I went to circle and I had to come back around and we just like well I'm just gonna put add embed in the language it's like but but I went and did all this work um, <laughs> but you're richer for the experience yeah I, I, I built character that that's that's what that's you know that's what my parents and I built character yeah exactly speaking of Unicode oh sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah it's, exactly it's, it's like Saiyans right you know all that that stuff from from Dragon Ball Z and everything. Um, but yeah, um, I'm definitely rich for the experience. I, I know way more about constant evaluation than I ever wanted to, um, thanks to GC and Clang and the differences thereof and how they handle stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely learned a lot. Well, I'm definitely rooting for you, even though I don't have a personal use for it. I, I know from from hearing from different people that it's one of those things that if you need this feature, you really, really want it. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of people that really, really want it. So yeah. Yeah, it's going to definitely make the language better if we get it. So what do we want to talk about? We want to talk about Unicode? Uh, well, we could talk about Unicode or you talk about optional references or, I mean, Unicode is a much less of a minefield and much less ranty than, than the optional reference <laughs> stuff for, for sure. Well, let's go for the rant. <laughs> oh, we've, got, we've only got 12 minutes. Oh, boy. So, so it's um, speed ranting. Okay. <laughs> speed ranting. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, um, another title. I, I actually do think that, yeah, optional reference is something that's kind of topical. People are talking about this right now. So yeah. uh, you want to give us the background on what people are what, – what's the concern? Okay, so can't, – Can't I have references in my options now? STD option, doesn't that – can I have an optional with a reference in it? Uh, so the answer is, is – is, the answer is yes, you can, but no, you can, But no, we won't. Um and the reason it's like this, it's, so it's, the history is actually really long. The paper actually dates back like 2002. Even the original paper that proposed it optional to C++ was predated C++11, right? We got it in C++17, but it was like a 2002 paper. Um, sure. And originally, the paper had like it had references, it had reference support, it had regular like you know it was it was the full optional that you'd expect from like boost optional or TL optional, right? Um, and so it went through the committee. The first road blocker was that, like, comparison operations. Like, how do we do comparisons, right? So, like, what happens when one's no lock and one's not no lock? What happens when both are the same? Right? Like, how do you do those comparisons, right? Do you, do you even provide those comparisons, right? And so that battle waged on for a while, and then it was solved, right, where they just said, well, if both things are there, you compare the values, right, because why wouldn't you, right? If they're no lock, then you just, you know, return a default, you know, true, false, et cetera, et cetera, through the, for the equals, equals, and not equals, and all of those. Um, so that was fine. But then the topic of references came up, and... 
what happened is like early in the early in the paper revision, the paper was handed off to a different author than the original per- the original author of the paper was the person who initially proposed and got accepted the boost optional that everybody's been using. Um, he passed off the paper. The paper gets some changes, and where they they bring up a little code snippet that shows like if you have an optional of int ref and you you know you assign you have an int x and you assign x into it right, and then you you assign another value into that that you know you make int y of twenty, you make int x of twelve, then you make int y of twenty four, right? You have the optional reference of int ref of the first one point to x, you assign it from x, and then you assign again with y. Does this make it so that the original X turns into 24, or does it make it so that the, the optional thing just holds a new pointer-y kind of thing, or new reference to Y instead, right, the, the different value? And this exploded a huge debate in the community, right? Um, and this wasn't the first time the debate had happened, right? This debate actually happened on the Boost mailing list, and it's like 100-something emails. It just goes on and on and on. I read through all of it, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, they, they, they hash this out on the Boost mailing list, and they come to the conclusion that uh, rebinding, which is where you take the value, which is where if somebody assigns into the optional a second time, right, with a different like reference, mm-hmm. um, that you just rebind what's inside, right? So you make the you make it point to the to the y rather than overwrite the x, right? Um, just do that, right? And they brought a bunch of different reasons why that was a good idea, right? It's safer, it's it's better, except you know it, it's more regular, you know the the reason, list of reasons went on. Um, so they so Boost figures it out, Boost proposes it. And then it gets taken off the table. And the reason it gets taken off the table is because people didn't say, no, 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 the rebinding thing that you're doing is, is, is controversial, right? Because this, this, this other method of assigning into the X, right? So you, you, you have the, 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 the optional, right? You say equals Y. Well, that should assign into the X. I shouldn't just rebind the optional. That's, you know. Okay, so let's make this clear. Yeah. In boost optional right now, yes. if I have an optional that's an int ref yeah. and I assign Y to that, I am not changing the value. Well, the first time I do it, now the optional contains a reference to y. Yeah. But then if I assign x to that, yeah. I am not assigning the value of x into y. Right. What I'm doing is I'm assigning the reference to x into the optional. Yes, and so the optional will just will just point to a new well, we'll just point to x now. Right. Right. So it won't like it won't override any data or anything like that. Um, but if I were to read from it, it's gonna it's gonna dereference the reference. Yeah, it, it just it, de-ref- it dereference the reference, so it'll 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 point at x, right? Right. Right. So it's just, so so you can understand why this is you know controversial. Right. There's, I mean, this is crazy. Right. This is crazy. And C plus plus doesn't even support rebinding in general. Right. But with the optional library, rebinding is what is what op, is what boost optional. Does. Yeah. Um, and so for the so the first exception of the standard. That just wasn't supported at all. Yes. Is that right? And so, yeah. So what, what the standard did is they said no, no references and optional, just period. Just like take it out. Like we don't, we don't want it in there. Um, this had interesting consequences because that same idea also showed up in variant and also showed up in the upcoming proposal for expected, right? So expected and a lot of expect, uh, like stood expected or TL expected um, or even the proposals expected, right? Uh, all kind of uh, wanted to support references because this is supposed to be a thing for return types, right? And how many functions return references? A lot of them, right? Um, so they had to kind of you get out. You get outside of assignments. I think it's kind of a dubious idea. Well, you know, returning references is a little scary. Yeah, it is. It is a bit scary, but it happens a lot with like caches and other things like that. Um, 
But the the idea is is that um, you know we we kind of just nuked it out of all of those, right? So it doesn't exist in variant, doesn't exist in expected, et cetera, et cetera, right? And again, it goes from the same idea, right? That you know you can't pick between doing the rebind or doing the assign through, right? They're both equal semantics, you know, that, that you know. And of course, there are other people who are like, well, just use pointers if you want to rebind the option, right? There are, there are a bunch of different opinions in the room. Um, when I walked into this, 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 this scene, right, it was, uh, uh, it was in like 2018. I was, it was very, it was after my very first committee meeting at Rapperswill. Um, and I had the idea that, that the two were equal, right? That rebind and assign through were like equal like things, right? Um, but just to be sure, I ran a survey. I, I put out a survey to the community and I said, like, what, how do you like your, your option? How do you use it? What do you use? Like, do you, do you not use it at all? Do you, do you have any special support for anything? Like, do you have, like, void returning support, whatever, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I, I did that survey and I got back the results. And what really perplexed me about this survey is that nobody had implemented an assigned through optional ever. Right. And and that confused me because when I went to the committee, when I talked about this on the committee, when I presented the, the, the paper for a simple slim down optional that didn't, that didn't choose rebind or assign through, but just was like put a reference in optional so that we can like move move the ecosystem forward. Um, people have talked about assign through like this was the sure implemented thing that had completely consistent semantics that always worked. And what I had found was, was that nobody on the committee and even the general wider community had actually implemented the thing that in the survey, 50% of people said, I wanted to sign through optional. None of them implemented it. And that was scary for me, right? Like, Well, how many implementations of optional are there? I mean, there's the boost implementation, but... Well, so there's actually a ton. So there's there's Jonathan Mueller's, there's there's uh, uh, Tartan Lamas or Cybrand, there's uh, Martin Monet's, there's Isabella Muertos. There's actually a ton of different optional implementations. LLVM has one. I had one. And they, and they all did uh, rebind. So... A lot of them did rebind, and, but some of them followed exactly what the standard did, right? A lot of them were shims for the standard, and so they actually removed it. And some were actually considering to put references in their optionals, but then they stopped because they saw what the decision that the standard committee makes. So they said, no, 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 we, we, just, we just won't do it. We won't, we won't put it in. Um, and so to me, that was, that, was, that, was, that was really bad because we had an outsized influence on the way people programmed with optionals and the way people handled optionals in general in the community. And we had based our decision on something that had no implementation experience, right? Like, like at the point that I went to the standards committee with a paper was in 2018, that at that point, boost optional and TL optional, a bunch of other options had like 13 years of like industry hardened deployment experience, right? People were using it all over the place. And to see that somebody could advocate for something that had no deployment experience, no implementation experience, didn't see the broadside of Boost, you know, was specifically argued down in Boost, right? That actually produced like a, a buggier implementation that produced more, that generally produced more error prone code. And to see people argue for that thing and talk about it with like 100% certainty that it was real, but without actually doing any of the homework, like that, like nearly just that, like that really destroyed me. Like as far as like going to the committee and like seeing it, because I had absolute faith in this people, right? The reason I did the survey, right, and the reason I, I, I didn't have absolute faith in rebinding was because I completely respected everybody on the committee and, and their opinions and, and what they said, and I just took it as law, right? I, I was genuinely expecting to find like a, a wealth of just implementations of, a, of an assigned through anything, and it just it, it didn't exist. And that bothered me. Well, in general, this bothers me a lot. The committee discounts 
And you can take it as boost, but it's really general experience, right? We have libraries in boost that are, you know, along many years old, lots of people using them, as you say, hardened industry experience. And the committee will say, but that wasn't designed right. Let's redo it all. Uh, we, you know, we, we have this discussion with um, the uh, ASIO, where a lot of people are on the committee are saying, well, you know, if we were to design that today, we would do a much better job with the API. And it's like, yes. And if you do that six years from now, you will be in a situation where you don't have any experience with what you've designed and you want to start over again because now your design is six years older than it should be. Uh, you know, at some point, you have to value experience and standardize what you've got. Right. And, and the committee loves to tinker and say, oh, well, we can improve on that by doing, hey, I got an idea. We get this vector thing. Think about memory we could save if we did a specialization for Boolean. You know, uh, No one would ever do that. No one would ever do that, <laughs> except we do it again and again and again, because we are smarter than experience. And so now you got me ranting, which is what a surprise, right? <laughs> yeah. Renting is optional. All right. So we're almost out of time. Uh, do, do, do you have a, an endpoint on this? Where are we at on optional right now? Gosh. So the reason I wrote the reason I wrote that blog post, the reason I actually wrote a new paper that kind of summarizes like all of the design experience and implementation experience has gone to the industry so far um, is because a paper popped up from miserable C++ actually. Right. So I saw that paper and I was like, oh, no, they're going to walk into the same exact problems that I walked to. Right? They're going to walk into a room. And people are going to say a sign through is totally like fair and implementable. And it's like, no, this thing has no implementation experience. Right. Like and so the point of my article in my paper was 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 a bit of a call out and also to arm like the Mr. C++ and Peter Somlat, who, who helped them write the paper um, with knowledge. Right. Like you should know going in that people did not do their homework, right? And that you should be aware of that. And so don't, like, I took their criticism seriously because I had not done the homework yet. I was new to the committee. Everybody said this thing was true and it turned out not to be true, right? So I gave them that paper and that article to say, listen, I did the homework. Here's the survey. Here's the research. Whatever decision you come up with, whatever, it's fine. But as long as you have an informed like honest discussion about like everything that happened, the deployment experience, like what we've learned and et cetera, et cetera, right? Don't go in there and get blindsided like I did when I first presented my paper about a bunch of things that like that had no implementation experience that nobody had ever thought through and that nobody ever took to their logical conclusion, right? Like don't let people take like a, a snippet of code, wave it around in your face and get everybody scared. Right. Do do your due diligence and, and stand fast on on what you understand and what you know. Well, I sure hope we can come up with a title for this episode because <laughs> no, I'm not getting anything because I haven't heard anything yet that would be a good episode. No. <laughs> um, we'll just call it untitled. You will just call it untitled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, let's try to get that blog post in the in the show notes, right? Yes. Um, There's two blog posts, in fact. Yeah. Okay. The the, the full circle one and the the binding references. Um, so our tradition here is uh, to wish everyone safe coding. Uh, although after this talk, uh, people might think <laughs> safe coding is a, is there's no possibility, <laughs> of, but we still yeah. are optimistic and we wish everyone safe coding. So join me, everyone, safe coding. Safe coding. <laughs>